damn it, how long have we been doing this show? You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Tonight, I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. Hi everybody, it's The Wrestling Life, it's episode 200. It is May 30th, 2019, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, even more so than usual, we have so much to talk about. And so many things that we can't talk about. Happy 200, pal. Happy 200 to you as well. I've been here for 199 of them. It's true, I've... uh... You know, there will be one down the road where you'll have to, I don't know, go solo or something, I'm sure. Yeah, because I have no friends. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. You can use my other podcast co-host, too. He's probably available. We'll see. The <laughs> Wrestling Life, 200 episodes. L- lots to get to this week. Uh, let's start with Double or Nothing. This was apparently an awesome show live. I thought it was much more of a mixed bag on television, but it was without a doubt uh, one of the more significant shows uh, of our lifetime, or at least of the last 18 years. Um, so, Double or Nothing, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was mostly a very good show. Uh, too long, like every show that's more than four hours long. It was oh, too yeah. long. Um, but there was a lot of very good wrestling and there was variety in the, uh, presentation. Not every match was the same. And, uh, I think more good than bad near by the end. I think I could, I can give this one thumb up at the very least. I can nitpick the show to death. I will say mostly... It was a good time, mostly. It was way too long. They lost me about halfway through the Young Bucks match. Fair. Which was about, what, four hours into the show? <laughs> Three and a half yeah, hours they the went on. They went on at, like, I, I feel like uh, it, was, it was pretty late already. Like, I wasn't sure exactly when the show was slated to go off the air, but... Uh, they were they were going. We knew, I think it was like it was like ten fifty five, and the young bucks were just getting in the ring. So they went a long time too. They went nearly a half hour, and they lost me during that match. Like it was an awesome match. Uh, they just lost me. I didn't care for the bloodbath between the Rhodes brothers, and that's maybe sacrilegious. And everybody's saying, "Oh, it was one of the more emotional matches they've ever seen," and you don't see stuff like this anymore. And 
I'm perfectly fine with not seeing stuff like that anymore because I don't like uh, bloodbaths. That's fair. I don't. I mean, nobody was uh, was. I don't think anybody loved it because of that. Dustin almost bled out. Like, um, I really enjoyed it, and I'll remember it forever because of the blood. So you can say, "Well, the blood made it more memorable." That's true, I guess, in a way. But you could probably make the argument that it would have been, you know, just as um, uh, emotional if you know he didn't. If you know, maybe he kept a couple liters of blood in him. <laughs> um, you know, I don't. I don't even mind guys cutting themselves. I think it's a lot better and safer than trying to get blood the hard way. Sure. I just don't like when there's like it looks like there's been a, an, a chainsaw murder <laughs> in the it ring. It was. It was a. It was a gusher. It reminded me of the. There's that, that was it Vincent Undertaker at that one Survivor series where Vince is just bleeding everywhere. Yeah. Or uh, the, the Eddie Guerrero JBL match. Um, yeah. Just, just everywhere and just pouring out of him. And yeah, that's. Yeah, you, I, I don't blame you for thinking it was too much. Uh, like, I, I, th- I think I said on Twitter right afterwards, I never ever need to see anything like that again but it is very memorable and i did enjoy it for what it was and i thought the the post match was was really well done and obviously they kind of harken back to the uh the view never changes dusty promo and and stuff like that so i'm i'm a sucker for any anything like that so i mean they they got me by the end there but yeah absolutely it's it was overkill. The the almost literally with the amount of blood that uh, Dustin lost on that map. Uh, obviously, the big news coming out of the show: the debut of John Moxley, who made a lot of news this week. He's going to AEW. He's going to New Japan Pro Wrestling. He did a podcast with Chris Jericho that I didn't get a chance to listen to. I read some transcripts. Yeah, but I know you did listen to that. So just overall uh, Moxley thoughts this week. Yeah, he, I mean, that does feel like a game changer. If you feel like, I know people said, like, I read things saying, oh, man, they got to have, like, one big surprise on this show or people are going to feel let down at the end. And I don't know whether or not that's true because obviously, like, I think the show would have been still, like we said, too long but good. Um, but obviously you had that, the super hot angle and then the crazy brawl with Omega to, to set up a bunch of stuff down the line. Um, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. And then obviously the, the double surprise with him showing up there and then, uh, the next night, uh, revealing that he's, he's the one that these times up, uh, promos in new Japan have been about. He's he's the new knife pervert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I don't know. I'm not sure if there's such thing as a, as a game changer in this business in 2019. I I guess we'll see. Uh AEW is going to be on TNT. Remains to be seen what kind of audience they can draw on cable. It remains to seen it remains to be seen 
how they are going to make money long term. It remains to be seen how much money the Khan family is willing to put into this thing, uh, how long they're willing to fund a uh, loss leader, or a uh, how much money they're willing to lose before it starts to make money. There's so many unanswered questions that I think the uh, people- questions like what, how, what TNT will see is an acceptable amount of viewers. There's a million questions like that. And so I think all of the, this is a game changing moment. This is a historic show. I feel like all that talk is premature. Yeah. I mean, I, we, we talked about this last week. Obviously the TV deal is significant. And for a startup that had technically never run a show to have that deal in place and to have TNT promoting your show on their, you know, their highly watched NBA playoff coverage and stuff like that. That's, that's cool. And that's big. Um, but obviously you're right. It doesn't until they have weekly TV, until we start to see what kind of viewership they're going to draw. And if they can build that audience, uh, you know, YouTube and, and Twitter views and things like that are, are cool and you can get some buzz out of that. But if they're not, uh, I mean, how often do I mean, we don't talk about that so much, but people talk about how WWE trumpets all their social media numbers and how that generally means very little to nothing. So great social media buzz is, is cool and then trending on Google or whatever. That's that's not that's not insignificant completely, but it, it doesn't equal having, you know, a million people uh 300,000 of which are going to spend directly spend money on your pro on your product, you know? Yeah. As I mentioned, I could nitpick nitpick this show to death. A lot of production gaffes. Um, Turns out maybe hiring a bunch of the old TNA production crew is a bad idea. Um, Lots of gaffes. Uh, JR didn't do any homework and didn't know any of the names of any of the Japanese women. Shocking. Uh, he knew Kong. <laughs> okay. He knew one of the six. <laughs> Checkmate. To me, that answered all I need to know about whether or not Jim Ross is taking this seriously. <laughs> he doesn't take it seriously enough to do any homework. Um, I guess people thought he was really good on the show. I thought he was um, a soundboard. <laughs> Uh, in the in the uh, in the main event matches, and I thought he was bad on the undercard. Uh, Alex Marvez, I have no earthly idea why he's there, other than I think we were talking off air. I think maybe he introduced Cody and the Bucks to the Khan family, and that's <laughs> why that's why he's on the broadcast team. Because really, there's he was really quite dreadful on the show. Excalibur was having to do uh, a ton of heavy lifting. Excalibur. It's kind of been an acquired taste for me. <laughs> at first, at first uh, listen, I was not a fan just because he talks so much and he sure. does he does his own play by play in his own color. Uh, but when you listen to him for a long time, you start to appreciate that. <laughs> and I thought he was really good on the show, but he had to do a lot of heavy lifting because he was <laughs> essentially working with a mannequin and a soundboard. Well, I'll I'll disagree slightly about JR. I thought he sounded at least for the big time main event matches, he sounded excited to be there. Uh 
He wasn't constantly complaining. He did do a little bitching about the rules uh, near the start of the show. But <laughs> the thing was, because Excalibur was there, there wasn't a Josh Barnett to sit there and commiserate with him about how these newfangled kids all suck and they don't know how to work. <laughs> so Excalibur was like breaking Jim Ross slowly out of his cranky grandpa funk throughout this show. And then by the end of the show, JR's going crazy for everything. And he's really trying to put over even. Yes. I agree that he should learn people's names. That's that's I'm not making an excuse for that. That's not something that should be ignored. But if we're grading on the curve of me listening to JR on these new Japan shows for the last two years, this was the best JR has been. I don't know. Since like, Whenever he stopped doing full-time commentary in WWE. Well, at least he wasn't drunk. Sure. <laughs> this I thought he was better here than he was when he did like the Mae Young Classic a couple years ago. See, I thought he was all right on that. But anyway, we're going to disagree a little bit on that. That's fine. We never disagree on anything, so that's cool. It's true. Um, talking about learning uh, the names of the Japanese women on this show... Uh, Remember the name Hikaru Shida. This woman is going to be a GD superstar <laughs> in this business. Noted. All right. Uh, WWE, uh, we didn't really... We didn't talk about Moxley. the Moxley podcast, I guess. Yeah. You didn't... Uh, I guess Moxley went on Jericho's podcast and gave a litany of examples of Vince McMahon being old and out of touch and how it really burnt him out, not on wrestling, but on WWE. Yeah, that was, it's every conversation that you and I have had, that uh, Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer have had, that everybody who's watched WWE for the last, I don't know, five years has probably had at least once, which is he talked specifically, he mostly talked about his promos and how he would be handed a script and he it would be filled with words not only would it be stuff he would never say, but also it would be uh, in a way that he would never say it. And he would uh, you know, yell at the writer or tell the writer to change it, and they would try to change it. But then everything still has to go through Vince at the end, and Vince most of the time really liked the dumb, hokey stuff that the writer had put in originally, so things got changed back. And he basically went through a timeline of his entire... Uh, last few months in the company and um yeah it's i guess there there isn't the big bombshell like juicy moment like there was on the punk cabana cabana podcast you know like he's not accusing them of any sort of you know uh crimes or <laughs> uh you know medical malpractice or anything he d he did bitch about a payoff that's true he did note that they gave him the quite literal minimum that they give to anyone uh, on for his last show, which they built a network special around. Sure. Um, but overall, he just talked about how frustrating the creative is and how he felt like uh, it's not wrestling. It's not, that's not what they do. And their creative process sucks. He mentions almost right at the start that, Everyone in that company is in self-preservation mode, just constantly going around trying to get stuff changed to make them look like slightly less of an idiot. <laughs> and it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, 
it's just kind it's a lot of confirmation like i said of stuff that we've all talked about for years and it's but it was a very detailed laying out of all of that and how frustrated he was and how um you know he felt like he he had new ideas and he was he was really excited to come back and and he was sort of met with resistance on them and then when they did turn him, they made him say things about his friend who had cancer. He also noted that there was some line in one of his promos that was so heinous about Roman's cancer that he refused to say it, and he wouldn't even say what it was on the podcast because it was so bad. He said that if he had said it on TV, he thinks they would have lost sponsors and that somebody would have had to be fired for it. Oh, man. <laughs> so... God knows. I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure they got him to say at least once that like Roman deserved to have cancer. So I'm not sure. Like, I'm I, your your mind wanders, right? Sure. To think of what could have been so so terrible well, that it would have been this like next level terrible thing. But yeah, it's funny. Immediately, my mind jumps to when Randy Orton told Rey Mysterio that Eddie Guerrero is in hell. Sure. Maybe he was going to uh, dig up the ult- what the Ultimate Warrior used to say about people that have cancer, Oof. and just repeat that verbatim. Oh my lord! Maybe he could ask. He, they, they were going to ask Dana Warrior to look those up for, uh, oh, for something. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, it's it's really fascinating, and I'm I'm guessing if you're listening to us talk, you've probably already heard it or have read about it at the very least. So yeah, it's it's. It's a fascinating, detailed look at how frustrating it is. Uh, I mean, specifically for him and and uh, Chris Jericho talks very little on it, which plus plus definitely <laughs> always plus. A plus. And it's mostly just Dean Ambrose, uh, uh, yeah, talking about what he went through and how creatively, not just creatively unsatisfying, but downright you know frustrating. Um, his his last uh, year or so in the company was so it's and then at the end he does talk about how how excited he is to to work in AEW and I think when this was recorded the New Japan stuff hadn't come out yet so he didn't want to talk about that he sort of talks around it a little bit but yeah he basically said he you know I'm not burned out on wrestling I'm burned out on WWE I can't go back <laughs> like basically said that he can't imagine ever going back, but that he's also not trying to completely throw them under the bus because, you know, it's, he explains why he didn't walk out. He said he thought about it a few times, but his wife works there and he's got friends there. And so that's why he chose to, uh, you know, wait out, write out his contract to the very last day. And... Yeah, so I think with that, all that in mind, does that, as a Sasha Banks fan, does that give you a little vindication? To because now we've sort of had an expose on just how creatively frustrating that place can be. I I don't need vindication. I you know, it probably makes me a little more open to the idea of her leaving for good. Um, and now that we've seen a show and seeing how women are going to be portrayed in AEW and kind of level of talent they have. It's not as bare bones 
scraping the bottom of the barrel talent as I thought it was over there. And yeah, sure. If she wants to leave. She, she should leave. Okay. And maybe vindication would be the wrong word, but I just, I thought about that today when, or, or something like the, the, the Neville slash Pac version. There's that version where you just go home and you wait out until you're finally released or, or whatever. You come to some sort of understanding. Right. Um, or you could do what Ambrose did, which is just ride it out. But also, Ambrose had seven months left and a wife that's staying in the company versus Sasha, who maybe doesn't have as many immediate ties that uh, would make her worry about burning a bridge. Well, I mean, her husband's a seamstress for the company. Sure, but like, do you think he won't, couldn't ever get hired as a seamstress for another company? No, not at all. But I also don't know that, you know, just because she's walking out doesn't mean he's going to walk out. Sure. So, I mean, what, I mean, what can they do to a seamstress? He's not on, he's not a TV character, right? Like they can't. That's true. Where they're like, like, okay, you got to make a costume, but you're not allowed to use any needles to sew. <laughs> you know what? I'm not actually even sure if those guys are employees. If like <laughs> the costume people. And the makeup people, I'm not sure if they're employees. I think, That's interesting. Uh, I think they might be self-employed. Hmm. They used to be self-employed. Like, there's a Pritchard podcast where he talks about uh, some of the seamsters, seamstresses from, you know, the 90s. They were self-employed. They just ended up, you know, like traveling with everybody because they were needed at every show. But anyway, that's such minutia. Oh my. <laughs> well, this is our 200th show. Uh, not a ton of WWE stuff to talk about this week. They punted on Monday night. Sami Zayn may or may not have gone off script and mentioned AEW. This is such, this is like the stupidest conversation to me. Like, regardless of whether or not it was in the script or not, a PW Insider is reporting that it wasn't in the script for the show. Do you really think Sami Zayn, <laughs> in the atmosphere that that John Moxley described, is going to go on television and say something about their new competition without prior approval? I mean, like, what purpose would it serve if, for him to do that? You no. think, like, do people think he? Because if he was trying to get fired, there's a lot of things he could say. Besides AEW, right? <laughs> like how he's not allowed, like how he's banned, whether he would want to go or not, he's not allowed to go to Saudi Arabia because of his heritage. Oh, sure. Like he could talk about that. Um, a lot of things he could talk about if he was trying to get himself fired. Doesn't appear he's doing that. Um, in fact, I swear I read something uh, where he gave an interview saying that he had re-signed at some point recently. So I don't like... I don't think he's going anywhere. But the idea, and this all this all feels <laughs> like it stems from a couple of reporters reported that it was in the script, right. and then other people said, "Well, my sources say it wasn't in the script," right. and that immediately in my head went, "Okay, so they much like with the Brock thing that happened a few weeks ago, where most of the people backstage were told Ali was winning Money in the Bank." But then the people in the match and the agents and Vince knew 
well, actually, it's the Secret Eighth guy is going to come down and win the match. It's like, yeah, they're intentionally not telling people or they're intentionally lying to people to, I guess, swerve the sheets or create confusion because it's WCW. I, I don't know why they're doing that. <laughs> but when immediately when different reporters who all you know definitely have at least some sources in the company are all saying different things, that tells me, okay, clearly they're telling different people different things intentionally for some purpose. Right, and whether that's to out who's leaking stuff or purposely, I don't know. There's a million different reasons it could be. Swerving the boys. Sure. Uh, you didn't watch Raw this week. I didn't watch SmackDown. Between the two of us, we saw Raw and SmackDown. <laughs> I just thought Raw was boring. I didn't think it was like one of the worst shows of the year or anything. Uh, what did you think of SmackDown? Yeah, SmackDown was fine. There was a really good Kofi Kingston Kevin Owens TV match. And a uh, surprisingly decent Bailey and Lacey Evans match. So uh, I skipped the main event of SmackDown, which I believe was Roman Reigns and R-Truth versus Drew and Elias. What? Um, what? <laughs> a, it, was all, it was a thing because Elias had beaten Truth for the 24-7 belt earlier in the show. And then after the match, I guess Elias was still down, so R-Truth just covered him and won the 24-7 title back. I see. Sounds riveting. But well, I skipped the main event, but the like I said, yeah, the there's a couple of good matches and yeah, it was it was a fine watchable television show. I will say, and we, we've glossed over the big news, which is that Team Beef member Baron Corbin is challenging for the title at uh, uh, Super Showdown. Big breakfast Baron Corbin. Big breakfast, beautiful Baron Corbin. <laughs> beautiful Baron Corbin. Beautiful Baron. You know, I think he's actually from Kansas City, and so when they did the Kansas City's favorite son line this week on Raw when they were in Kansas City, uh-huh. it actually got a, a, a legitimate pop. <laughs> <laughs> and like the people actually cheered a little bit when he won the title shot. Uh, cool. <laughs> they're, just, they're really bad at this. <laughs> yeah. No, they're just, it's, it's not good. But I, I want to thank WWE because I'm probably not watching the Saudi show again this time. And I'm so thankful that they didn't do any matches. I want to see on this show. (laughs) Well, you don't want to see pop pop wrestle bill. I mean, out of morbid curiosity, because I just, uh, again, the other day I was watching like an old botchamania or something. And I saw clips of the Hunter and undertaker match from last year at the Australia show. That was hilarious. It was hilarious and how bad that was. <sighs> Embarrassing. Embarrassing that this would be on oh, <laughs> on this company's television. So on one hand, I am very morbidly curious about it. I'm I will be eyes will be glued to Twitter ready for like gifts and clips of that one. Sure. Pop up and Bill. But the rest <laughs> of that show, it's Dolph and Kofi. No thank you. <laughs> Baron and Seth. Absolutely not. <laughs> and then, like, Lars Sullivan versus Lucha House Party. Bob Lashley against Braun Strowman. Yes. Another barn burner. Barn burner Bob. Who's Roman wrestling on this show? Is he wrestling Drew or is he wrestling Shane? I he's wrestling, he's Shane. wrestling Shane, allegedly. Yeah, that ought to be uh, something else. 
See anyway, if he, uh, Shane I'll... ends up like concussing himself or something. Yeah, or yeah. Who who ends up with a bloody nose out of that? Both? Probably Roman. Yeah. Uh, I'll be watching the show. So, um, yeah, we got that to look forward to. All right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, wrapping up uh, current talk, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling is in their best of the Super Juniors tournament. It's ruining my life. <laughs> uh, tournament- a lot of good wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, there have been very few, like uh, the Night 11 was the weakest show so far uh, of this tournament. Uh, tournament's wrapping up. It's going to be Shingo Takagi coming out of one block, and God only knows who, who's going to come out of the other block. But, um, yeah, pretty good tournament. A lot of good wrestling. Rocky Romero, I think, really has been like the sleeper MVP of this tournament. Holy hell, you're not kidding. Tell you what. Everybody's got a price. WWE should pay him whatever his price is. I know they were talking a couple years ago Mm -hmm. about, I think they offered him a coaching position and he turned them down. But I would, (laughs) I want that guy teaching the next generation, the next three generations, how to work, how to market yourself, everything. He's so good. He's effortlessly good. Every aspect of pro wrestling. He's good on commentary. He's yeah. good on promos. He can work his ass off. He can talk. He sings his own theme music. He's incredible. He's like one of the most talented guys in the business. <laughs> all, he's probably the all-around most talented guy in the business. Yeah, he's, he's been around forever, too, which is... I guess maybe that's why, because he was a... Uh, but obviously, New Japan wasn't... He hasn't been a featured point since this you know big new japan ex- expansion started so sure i think i think certainly for me it caught me off guard and but uh, i mean you you instructed me i think the the day after it happened to uh, make sure i went out of my way to see the uh his match with osprey and then his match with uh el fantasmo and yeah he's he's tearing the freaking house down man he's he's incredible and he's hurt he like tore his groin or something <laughs> yeah and he's all he's all taped up, uh, and he's still working. So that's yeah. Rocky Romero, the highlight of that tournament so far. Okay, two hundredth episode. We have some uh, some shout outs here. We should we should talk briefly about the NXT show this weekend. All right, NXT Takeover twenty five coming up this weekend. Adam Cole, baby, going for the title. Uh, is this his coronation? Kind of seems that way. He he made the. <laughs> the babyface heel guarantee at the beginning of the year that everybody in the undisputed era is going to win, win belts and both him and uh, Bob fish and Kyle O'Reilly are, are challenging for titles on this show. So I could see them, them both winning here and NXT tends to do short reigns with their babyface champions, short reigns, long chases. Yes. So I would not be surprised if Gargano drops the belt here. Io Shirai going for the women's title. I mean, I've I've sung the praises repeatedly of Shayna Baszler. I think she should already be on the main roster, especially when you have two babyface women's champions with not a lot of strong challengers. Mm-hmm. You could put Shayna on either one of those shows, and apparently you could put her on both because wild card rule. Um, and she would be a great opponent for either Becky or Bailey. So. 
I would, I, yeah, I would have Io win the belt, and I would, I would call Shane up yesterday. All right. Is there anything else on the show you want to talk about? No, I think that's it for our for our modern this week in wrestling talk. All right. Uh, we have some shout outs. Yes, we have our. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna end the show with a little with a little retrospective top five uh, our top five favorite moments since we've started this show. But uh, before we get there, we have a few shout-outs uh, for our friends wishing us well on our 200th episode. So take it away, lads. Hey, guys. Do you like wrestling? Yeah. Do you like life? Do I? Do you like podcasts? Uh, line. Well, have we got just the thing for you, the Wrestling Life Podcast. Are they any good? I think so. They've had up 200 episodes. So, I mean, I mean, they can't be too bad. Also, check out the Alleged Wrestling Podcast, also found on the internet. But <laughs> congrats, lads. It's always good fun uh, tweeting with you during live shows, no matter how miserable they are. So, congrats on 200. Here's to 200 more. Way. Way. Wrestling. Way. Podcast. Life. Books. Life. Line. Line. There. 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 Sports. Line. Sports entertainment. Internet. Synergy. This is the Take Two Takedown T3 Podcast. I'm John and this is Craig. Craig, we got so many things we can talk about when it comes to the wrestling life. We do. And so many things we can't talk about. Oh. oh. So 200 <laughs> episodes for these guys. 200 yes. episodes for Liam and Ethan. We're so happy for you. We're very, very, very excited. Um, yeah, we like to think that we knew them when they were still young. Yeah, but we never yeah. really listened to their show anyway. No, no, that's that's a definite plus. We usually just glom onto their fans, their audience, that kind of stuff, and take all of them away because we're probably funnier. But once again, we don't listen, so we don't know. Right. We just assume. Um, so anyway, mm. in the spirit of 200, Craig, yes. I'd like to challenge you to a little game. Ooh, I like games. All right. We are going to keep it in the 200 realm. Okay. And okay. you and I are going to challenge each other to things we would love... 200 of okay like i for one mm. would love 200 paper cuts to be all over your face oh that's that's the route we're going wait what what i okay. just told you what i'd love 200 of. okay no i like that i like that i would like to take 200 tiny carpet tacks and hammer them all into one big toe of yours People often think it's a mustache. It's not no, a mustache, no. just it's, nose hair. Yeah, just braid it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't take boss time anymore. <laughs> and, oh. then, and then my favorite is the outro where it's... And then... And then back to the guys. And then they talk about what? Baseball yeah. or politics? Well, see, this is one of the things... That we should discuss, because they brought it up to us. What? The fact that we have bloopers on the end of our show. They say we stole from them. No, no, Bloopers are funny. (laughs) What you guys talk about is useless. Right. But the Easter egg at the end of the episode, we 100% did steal from them. All silliness aside, Mm -hmm. all silliness aside, Liam, Ethan, you guys have a great show. We really appreciate uh, all the interaction that we get to have with you. 200 episodes is a huge, huge accomplishment. It is. and We're very excited for you. And they're way more knowledgeable, as we've discussed before, like an actual 
knowledge of wrestling and what they know and what they remember and how they keep track of all of those New Japan wrestlers, I still have no idea. Well, they get paid. That's true. That's just one of them. Yeah, but, them. I mean, that's enough, right? That's, that's true. You got paid or I got paid, we'd know a lot I'd, more. I'd give you that. Yeah, I'd yeah, give you that. Yeah. Uh, but again, congratulations. Um, I would say one day we hope to hit that 200 level, but as we discussed in our pre-show, pre-show, pre-show meeting, um, we don't think we can stand each other for 200 no, episodes. No, no. So, I mean, yeah, no. No, we're getting close to 100, and that already is stressful enough on our lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um... But congratulations to you guys, Wrestling Life. Yeah. You yeah. did it. Yay. 200. Yeah. Finger guns. Pew, pew. We're going to hope for 200 more. Pew, 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 pew. And then after that, another 200 until you get to episode 1,000. And then maybe you're done. Well, I thought Like, when were... when do they give up? Well, now? Yeah. Probably. I mean, WWE's given up now, so maybe they should, too. Yeah, but they still have New Japan and AEW. Oh, that's and true. That, so that's you true. and I should give up because we mostly do WWE. Wow. Anyway, guys, if you are looking for a more entertaining and fun show, uh, you can listen to us. We are Take Two Takedown, or T3 as we like to call ourselves. Um, in all honesty, we love hanging out with the Wrestling Life guys. And uh, happy, happy 200 episodes. Congratulations. And uh, just remember, you lost our challenge. Sure did. Love you. We also hate you. Peace. All right, definitely one of the cooler things about doing this show is uh, making friends with everyone else in the world who has a rough, has a wrestling podcast, which yes. is in fact everyone else in the world. Everybody, every everyone, it's it's the camaraderie of the of our, our fellow wrestling podcasters. That's that's what makes this all worthwhile. All right, you came up with the idea of each of us coming up with our top five favorite things that have happened in wrestling uh in the five years we've been doing this show and hell of an idea uh thanks spent a lot of time thinking thinking about this and realizing these last five years for a multitude of reasons have been the most pivotal five years of my life sure um personally and professionally without question so i'll start off if you don't mind by just selfishly saying that my own experiences in the wrestling business in the last five years have been just ridiculous. Suddenly now this is my primary uh, source of income is from the wrestling business. I started off <laughs> uh, writing TV reviews for a newspaper and ended up uh, with the job I've always wanted working for the wrestling observer site and uh, SE scoops and doing this show and um no longer having to pound my head on the desk at a nine to five <laughs> that was slowly sucking the soul out of me being actually able to work in the wrestling business, literally a dream come true. Literally. That's awesome, man. It doesn't, doesn't get a lot better than that. And all the cliches about, you know, doing what you love and it, it doesn't quite feel like so much work as a, uh... I'm sure they all apply to an extent. Not maybe not so much when you're up at 5 a.m. watching New Japan, but <laughs> oh, it's it still beats the heck out of working, working, <laughs> and just tying my personal experience to this. I've met everyone in the wrestling business that I want to meet. <laughs> How about that? In, in these last five years, too. It's it's been great. So that's, that's that includes what Shawn Michaels, Sasha Banks, Trish Stratus. Yeah, Bret Hart. Old Amy third place. <laughs> yes. 
old Amy third place. <laughs> I went out of my way to tell Lita <laughs> I wasn't as excited about meeting her as I was about meeting her friend. <laughs> uh, outside of your shoot stairs match story, uh, which oh. you've told a couple of times over the years on this show, yes. uh, I think my favorite story in our in our five years is is when you personally and and for really no reason went out of your way to tell Lita that you like Trish Stratus more than her. Yeah, not my proudest moment. All right, well, starting off my list here, um, not, I didn't really give an order where these are all, you know, well, you know, the, the first one I mentioned is the least important of the five. We're just kind of, these are five things we liked. Sure. Uh, but my first one is, the rise of actual real alternatives to WWE and not that just that they're up there for, for people that have a chance to, to work and make money and be successful in the wrestling business, which is obviously awesome. More places to work, more competition, uh, you know, increasing wages for the wrestlers is awesome, but also just how accessible it is. And that, and part of that's just the rise in, you know, internet speed and being able to stream and and most most people getting on board, except for PWG, getting on board with a stream <laughs> some sort of streaming service and you know, New Japan World being, you know, less than ten dollars a month and you know, obviously AEW now being on on basic cable is is a big deal, but it's really cool that after so so long of they're really just being the one game in town, the one quote unquote serious game in town, the only place you can make money and, and have these big time, like epic wrestling moments was one place for, for so many years. And now there's, there's a couple and that's really cool that there's that many more places to work. And that, you know, even like niches within this already very niche thing, like, uh, you know, shimmer or, uh, you know, some of the different uh, DDT, like some of these weird, crazy different little promotions or, or you know, all women's promotions. A lot of different people now get a chance to, to shine and to get eyeballs on their product that even a few years ago wouldn't have had that option. So that's I think that's the first one I want to mention. All right. I'm going to start powering through these. They're all starting to be here till four in the morning. Sure. <laughs> uh, the, for me... Uh, the NXT UK shows and just the brand in general, they've exposed me to a lot of international talent that I wouldn't otherwise get a chance to see. Uh, it gives me hope that WWE can produce a serious wrestling-centric product. And not that we didn't already have that with NXT, but I think really it's even a step further with the NXT UK shows. Um, it's a serious product, and it's good wrestling. So, And it's exposed me to a whole cast of characters that I wouldn't be exposed to otherwise. That's awesome. Yeah, my next one is the the rise and uh, of Kevin Owens to a a top guy. I and mean, we we've talked about it on the show. We used to see him at the Dewburns Arena in Baltimore, Maryland, this tiny little indoor soccer field in Ring of Honor, and Kevin Steen pinned John Cena on his first night on the main roster. And uh, you know, world champion and has been a top guy for years was part of arguably the last great angle the company has ever done on the main roster with the Festival of Friendship. Um, so yeah, the, the rise of Kevin Owens uh, to from 
you know, this niche indie guy to being one of the, the mainstays, one of the top guys in WWE. Excellent stuff. Um, my third of five. Um, remember there were two weeks in uh, December 2015 <laughs> where Roman Reigns beat Sheamus for the world title and he was an over baby face in Philadelphia, like this hardcore wrestling city. Yeah. He was actually an over baby face. Those two he weeks were crazy awesome. for him. Yeah, mainly because they put him up against the McMahons. But anyway, people in the most hardcore wrestling city in the country were thrilled with Roman Reigns as a top babyface. And that lasted less than a month. And then (laughs) Triple H beat him for the title. (laughs) He had to be reincarnated. Seth Rollins got hurt. Hunter had to take the title off of Roman and put it on himself. There were just no other options. At the time, I didn't have a problem with it, and you were staunchly against it. Thank God one of us is always right, (laughs) because you are a million percent right about that. I mean, it was funny, because then Triple H also can't help but babyface himself, so he's doing DX crotch chops and his He-Man pose and breaking out the sledgehammer and all that. Yeah. Those two weeks, though, were actually where the crowd wasn't fighting the promotion, the promotion wasn't fighting the crowd. That was fun. Yeah. We'll never have that again. <laughs> we kind of got that for a second with Becky this year, right? They're, I think they are actually trying. We have a bunch of babyface champions. There's a babyface world champion on both Raw and SmackDown. And they actually tried with Be- or, or, or Well, I don't know whether they're trying now, but they actually did try with Becky to make her like a legitimate one or one a baby face and you could tell just with the sheer volume of merch that was available on the website it's like they don't crank out <laughs> you know everybody's got a t-shirt but they don't crank out you know cups and keychains and pens and wristbands and like the sheer volume of merch that was available for yes. her they actually are really trying so i don't know about how that's gone the last few weeks by the way they're <laughs> They don't have anybody else that's anywhere near as over as her and to a degree Charlotte. And that's a problem. They're trying a little bit with Bailey. They are. She's on the other show for the most part, though. She doesn't. Becky's the raw women's champion and she doesn't have a credible challenger. True. Which maybe would be why Shayna Baszler should be brought up. Sure. Or, you know, maybe you could promise Sasha Banks. That you aren't gonna ruin her, <laughs> bring her back. Uh huh. All right. Could bring up Tony Storm. She should freaking be on the main event of Raw every week, anyway. <laughs> Those are our only options. <laughs> it's Baron Corbin or Tony Storm. There's no argument in between. <laughs> <laughs> like it was so black and white and so clear in my brain. It shouldn't be Baron Corbin. It should be Tony Storm. <laughs> and you're like. You know there are other wrestlers, right? <laughs> like, actually, no, there aren't. <laughs> cool. Uh, my my third of five is uh, on a on a more more serious moment. Uh, obviously, the the death of Dusty Rhodes was was a really big deal, and that was obviously very clearly felt all throughout WWE because of his role in NXT and just. The outpouring of all these great stories from everybody in NXT, from the people that had been in there, 
since the FCW days all the way through to people like Owens who had kind of just come in, uh, you know, maybe six months before he died. There's so many great Dusty stories. And I felt good because obviously, as I mentioned, my Mount Rushmore in pro wrestling is four Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> um, and it was cool. And with the, the establishment of the, the Dusty Tag Team Classic, it felt like, hey, uh, Triple H, because of Dusty's... Uh, because of his... Uh, uh, what he gave to NXT, he'll, his legacy will be protected to an extent. Even... If, say, his two sons go off and start a rival promotion that gets a really good cable TV deal, um, I think they're never going to, like, they're never going to, like, I don't have to be concerned about, like, Dusty Rhodes' legacy because of what he meant to NXT. And so the the Dusty Classic and, and just like I said, all the, all the stories that NXT talent shared uh, when when he died was, was really special. It's an excellent point. Uh, let's see. I have two left, so I'll go with the death and life and death and life and death of TNA slash Impact Wrestling. <laughs> it's the promotion that just keeps on giving, and obviously, typically, I don't root for uh, companies to go out of business, but really, I really hope Impact goes out of business, but if they don't, like, failure is so written into the DNA of that company and that promotion that even though they've changed the name and they've changed owners, there's still stories that come out like, hey, uh, this really pushed character, Jordan Grace, that we've had on our TV for, for six months, yeah, she's working without a contract. <laughs> yes, because they like forgot to sign it or something. <laughs> yes. Just like, just like, they're so bad at every aspect of wrestling. <laughs> yes. Yet they insist on continuing to try to promote, to promote wrestling. Like, the stories a couple of years ago where Billy Corrigan was pumping money in the company to keep it alive and taking equity in the company. And then Dixie Carter like tried to sell it out from under him, even though he had bought equity in the company by funding TV <laughs> tapings at the lot. Just there's a million stories and they're all terrible if you work there, but they're all wonderful. If you look at it from the outside and uh, even so just the, like the initial, like, meltdown when uh whoever it was mike johnson or, or, or my, i think it was mike johnson and uh figured out that vince russo was secretly working for the company <laughs> yes. which led to them led to spike canceling them yes after yeah. you know eight years or whatever on the network yeah or you know the fact that toby keith had a deal to buy the company <laughs> and like toby keith and jim ross and maybe paul Heyman were gonna run <laughs> We're gonna run a company and they would have had television on Spike TV and maybe AEW never comes about. And yeah. And it all got scuttled at the last minute because Bob Carter said his daughter had to have a job and a prominent role in the company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett somehow like weaseling his way back in and trying to turn it into Global Force Wrestling. Yeah. And succeeding for like six weeks. Yeah, they they even named the their streaming service that, and then turns out they didn't have like any of the trademarks purchased yet. <laughs> Jeff went out <laughs> to work for WWE. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now half of the TNA roster from 2007 works in WWE. Yeah, so all the death and life and death of TNA stories uh, make my list. 
Absolutely great entry there. Uh, yeah, uh, number not not number two, but the, my fourth of, of five here for me. Um, Roman Reigns uh, beating cancer. <laughs> that was that was pretty rad. Like it was obviously a really heartbreaking uh, thing when he had to announce it, and it was as we've already discussed in the main body of the show. It was pretty disgusting when they decided to turn it into an angle and have his real life good friends bring it up repeatedly but at the end he got to come out and announce that he was in remission on raw and at least for like a couple of weeks as you mentioned it's like and it was just it was just a happy nice moment when he got to come out and say i'm in remission and everybody cheered and gave him a giant ovation and it meant so much to him and his mom was there and it's like you can't you can't beat that kind of stuff. And to be able to to watch that live on television and feel like you're witnessing a little bit of history is it was awesome. Like that'll that'll stick with me forever. Awesome. And the, the best stuff is not scripted. How about business. that? Yeah. All right. My number one. Uh, like to poke fun at how Stephanie McMahon invented women's wrestling in 2015 here on the Correct. show. Uh, however. Uh, the actual rise of women's wrestling uh, is, uh, without question, my favorite thing that's happened in the last five years that we've been that's doing. Funny, this you show. never mentioned it. Yeah, I'm really a big fan. Most of my favorite wrestlers are women. Uh, I've always really dug women's wrestling, and me and McFoley, and <laughs> uh, to now actually have it pushed in a serious way and presented for the most part. Uh, in the correct way by WWE, they're learn they're still learning, and they're mm. still they're still an old, old misogynistic uh, man in charge of the company. Sure. Uh, and so there's still like you know gratuitous shots of butts and stuff like that that don't need to be there. But um, obviously, presenting uh, women's wrestling seriously uh, really started in NXT in this company, and yeah, I think we just passed the anniversary of that Charlotte and Natty match. Yeah, big deal. So, uh, a very big deal. So, uh, that's number one for me. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome that, again, we, we talked about that with, with, with ADW this week, and just different people and different people that look differently, that uh, as much as we joke about the blondes things as stuff, and it's very much still a thing, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the idea that maybe at least to a certain extent, you're judged a little more on your talent and your ability to like connect with an audience. Uh, that's cool. And it should, obviously it shouldn't have taken as long as it did, but I think if you're looking at the glass half full, you can go, as you said, uh, you know, things like the, you know, the Bailey and Sasha match in, in Brooklyn made it helped make that possible. And, and here we are in, in 2019 and, and uh, it's it's pretty cool. It is is pretty cool. No arguments there. Uh, my my number one is the the rise and fall and retirement and return and subsequent rebirth of one Daniel Bryan. Wow! Yeah, that's all happened. <laughs> Our very first show went up the day of WrestleMania 30. Yeah, and so that day he won the title. And it was awesome. And I got to see my favorite wrestler win the world heavyweight title, submitting 
big Dave Batista, one of my other favorite wrestlers, uh, and winning winning the world title, being the main event, immediately almost he's injured, has to relinquish the belts. He's kind of around for another year, but then he's injured again. The concussions happen. He's got to retire. He gives. Speaking of you know these heart wrenching but memorable unscripted moments, uh, his retirement speech was absolutely again unforgettable. Um, he was in Seattle and he you know obviously he cried and he talked about his death death of his father and and things like that. And but to have this un, unexpected storybook ending where through sheer willpower and his refusal to ever give up as as he said in that first promo when he came back his wife told him that daniel bryan fights for his dreams and that's what you've got to go do and he did and he found a doctor that would clear him and wwe's doctors finally said okay and he got to come back to wrestling and even though his subsequent babyface run there wasn't uh exactly a rousing success. Uh, he then got to transition into this incredibly bizarre leftist uh, <laughs> uh, vegan monster heel guy and got to be have a reign of terror with the world championship for, for four or five months. And again, he's still, he's still one of, if not my favorite wrestler. And it's just really cool that after all of sort of the, the downs that he went through, uh, he got to come back at the end and kind of and and continue to live his dream and to continue to contribute and the shows are unquestionably better when he's there. So yeah, that's that's my number one favorite thing has just been the the incredible roller coaster of uh, of emotions that Daniel Bryan has put me through. Tough to top that, and I don't think we're going to. So. Let's get out of here. Sounds episode, good to me. Episode 200. Till next time, everybody. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. And we'll be back very soon with another 200 episodes. More stories from the wrestling life. The 200 episode. Your boy is tired. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys.
uh, I'm in the middle of a feud with uh, another manager at work right now. Nice. He barely, I mean, he barely qualifies as a manager, but you could probably say the same thing about me. But (laughs) to the point where, so basically, I'm in charge of the home improvement uh, crew. Okay. That goes door to door. He's in charge of the solar crew that goes door to door, which is about three people, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, they, I was given like over a year ago, uh, a gas, a company gas card, so that I can fill up my van. He yes. doesn't have one. Yes. He asks me sometimes to fill up his van for him. Not a big yes. deal. Happy to do sure. it. Not a, not a challenging task. Yes. Not asking me to dig any dishes. All I said, all I have said repeatedly to him is let me know, like, when you get back at night, look at the gas gauge. Mm-hmm. And then if you see you need gas, text me that night, and then I'll, I'll know to come in early mm-hmm. so that I can get gas, and then my crew can still leave on time. Mm-hmm. And he won't do it. <laughs> so... I've made my decision, and I've told this to my direct uh, manager, mm-hmm. not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't ask, I'm not doing it, mm-hmm. which is creating drama, because then he <laughs> went and had a talk with the guy who got like really defensive about it and said that, like, well, I thought another manager was going to talk to me, talk to him, which would be me, about it, and... And it's like, he said the same thing I said, which is, dude, it's not, like, it's not a prop, like, just text him. If you see that you need gas, text him that night. It's not, this isn't, we're not negotiating here. This is what you need to do. (laughs) Or he's not going to get gas for you anymore. (laughs) So now we're in this weird standoff. (laughs) It doesn't help that I dislike him strongly as a person anyway. Sure. Because he's just like a slimy person, and I was also told by one of the African American employees that he s- said some off color things to them. Ooh. So not necessarily about African Americans, but about other races. So, ah. <laughs> um, yes. So already dislike him as a person. After two hundred episodes, your boy is tired. <laughs> These are the things I look for in a young MD. <laughs> what? <laughs> God said in a I try to keep on keeping on.